This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. This summer I read a beautiful story, a beautiful novel. It's by an early 20th century writer. His name is E.M. Forster, English, called Howard's End. And he gives you the theme of the novel right in the middle of the reading of it. And the theme is very clear and very simple, and I think very important for what God is doing in your life. This is the theme. Only connect. The heroine of the novel is a woman named Margaret, and she has a gift to connect others. She connects a wealthy man of industry with a kind of rogue artist, her sister. She connects a man of the lower class whose name is Leonard with both of those entities, the industry and the arts. She connects Germany with England as she actually carries both ethnicities, her father being German, her mother being English. She's a woman who connects. She's the heroine of this novel where the cry of the author in the early 20th century as the Industrial Revolution was creating greater and greater fragmentation, a time that we now, 100 years later, actually look back romantically from the, from, from, from the view of the digital revolution as a time of connection. And he was terrified 100 years ago that we wouldn't be connecting. Oh, if only he could see now. And his plea, his cry is only connect, but it's not just Forster's plea. And that's just his cry. It's the cry of the Word of God. The Word of God uses more the phrase communion. But in it is the idea of connection, of unity, of connecting God with humanity and humanity with humanity, church with church, ethnicity with ethnicity. It's a call of bold unity and connection. And I give you that phrase this morning from the novel, less so, from this book. Communion, connection, Eduardo, Ashley. How core that's been to your lives already and how core that is to be to your ministry as a deacon. I'm going to look at Acts chapter 6, a gift given to us that the church has embraced as helping us understand the ministry of the diaconate, the ministry of connection. The deacon is a servant. The deacon can be understood as we see the ministry worked out as a field leader. The deacon is in the field, in the places where the people are, calling for, creating, catalyzing connection among people and people to God. That's the work of the deacon, field leadership that connects. And we see this in these earliest men raised up for this ministry. Verses 1 to 5, we see the connection to the people, how people deeply and desperately need connection, communion. Verses 6 to 8, the connection to the power of God. Go verse 1 with me in your Bible. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, that would be Greek-speaking Jews. So these are folks that had come to know Yeshua's Messiah. They were Greek-speaking, rose against the Hebrews, likely Aramaic-speaking Jews. So both of them, Jewish believers in Jesus, one speaking Greek, one speaking Hebrew, and as we know with language, culture and language are intertwined. So not only were they speaking different languages, 
They come from different cultures. What does that mean? That means they do a lot of things differently. What does that mean? Well, one thing that means in every culture is they do food differently. Because culture and food are as interlinked as culture and language. Amen? You talk to a culture and they will tell you their foods. They'll tell you what they grew up eating. If they're living in another place, they'll tell you what they miss. And how it just isn't quite the same, even with globalization. And we've got an argument here. Can you imagine this? We have a culture argument here. It's caused by language difference. It's caused by culture difference. It might even be caused by the way food is being distributed. Because their widows are being neglected in the daily distribution of food. So as I call you to connect to the people, we see first that there's actually a connection crisis. And let's be clear, there's a larger connection calamity. It's apocalyptic in nature. And that is that humanity has disconnected and divorced themselves from the living God. And out of that divorce that we have initiated, where we have said we will not be in communion with God, we will not be under his authority or the power of his word, we have catalyzed in that decision that every human being has made a cataclysmic, catastrophic crisis that leads to the slaughter of millions, that leads to the denigration of human life, refugee, immigrant, unborn, violence against one another. Do you know where it started? In the crisis, the catastrophic reality of humanity disconnected from God. Amen? And we see that in the Word of God, and we step back in awe of a holy God. Here it's being worked out in this particular crisis, which is how it always happens. There's this epic reality of the sinfulness of humanity, and then there's these particular ways it works out like this. There's a crisis, and it is reflected in language and culture. It's a crisis of leadership. What will happen now? How will those who are being called to primarily preach the Word of God and pray, how, how will they also, because they're taking this very seriously, they, they probably understand this is some way a result of the fall. How will they minister into this? If they can't minister into this, into the particularity, into the, into the lived reality, if they can't minister into this, their preaching will be undermined. Their proclamation of Jesus resurrected from the dead will be undermined. Do you understand how important the service ministry of the church is? It upholds and strengthens the proclamation of the Word of God. It makes the Word of God real in people's lived realities. It matters if you were a Greek-speaking widow and you weren't getting the food as you should. It matters. You'd go home and you'd think, is this the church? Is this the way of the resurrected one? Oh, how we need servants in the church. Yes, deacons, but thousands, millions of servants who are ministering the reality of the Word of God as is proclaimed. Do not think for a moment that the apostles thought we have a greater ministry, they have a lesser ministry. They understood that the ministry of the gospel in deed and the ministry of the gospel in word is found ultimately in the incarnation of Jesus, who is word and deed of God, and that that must be worked out in the ministry of the church. Do you see that? How connected that is. Do you understand, my brother, the dignity of your office and the connection it has to the work and life of the church for the sake of the world? Communion, connection. 
Now we've got a culture crisis. In our own country, in our own church, millions and millions of Spanish-speaking people throughout the U.S. Is the church loving them? Are we serving them? Are we seeing them? As a leader in the church, I admit we've got a crisis. In some cases, yes, and there are some amazing works happening among Latino churches in our own city here in Chicago. We thank God for it. But we dare not miss this opportunity that's in this crisis to serve and love and proclaim the glory of God in the upper Midwest where we do have a domain, where we do have a responsibility. So as there, where there was crisis of language and crisis of culture, so as now. So how does God fix a problem? How does God fix problems? Well, here he fixes the problem this way. He fixes the problem by his people through his power. Did you notice I didn't say the word money? I mean, he's glad to use money when he needs to, if he wants to. But he doesn't fix this problem with money. He doesn't say, okay, we got to raise a whole bunch more money to figure out how we distribute this food properly. He doesn't say, oh, you know what we need to do is we got to build a new wing to the Jerusalem Cathedral. It didn't exist. There was a temple they were worshiping at that point. And we're not going to fix it with money. We're not going to fix it with a facility. How do you fix problems in the kingdom of God with people and God's power? How do you fix problems in your own family life? How do you fix problems in your own work life? with people and God's power. This is the way of the kingdom of God. People redeemed by the power of God, employed in the signs and wonders of God. So he fixes it by saying, raise up men of faithfulness. Not just people, he says, but the right people. Seven different attributes he gives of these people that he will use. It's a people solution. They're people of good reputation. They're full of the Spirit. They're full of wisdom. They're full of faith. They're full of grace. They're full of power. They're doing wonders and signs. Eduardo, God has raised you up. Actually, God's raising you up. This is a historic moment, and I don't mean that as hyperbole. I have yet, in six years of my Episcopal ministry, laid hands on a Latino for ordination. This is the first day. I have that honor. This is the turning point of a turning point, I pray, where we will take our place along other gospel churches to serve and minister and activate and release and bless the Spanish-speaking peoples, especially of Chicago, and may it spread far beyond. May I ordain so many Spanish-speaking Latinos that I'm speaking Spanish. <laughs> Let it rip, please. I feel more comfortable that way. It's interesting. The apostles didn't choose the men. Do you see that? Verse 3. Therefore, brothers and sisters, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, and we will appoint them. So 
God raises up a person to solve a people crisis by the people themselves. And that has been Eduardo's process. The people of God have said to me, to the church, this is a man of these characteristics. This is a man in whom we trust. This is a man who God has raised up. John Chrysostom, early church thinker and leader, said this about this passage. The apostles needed the testimony of the people. But people are never enough. I've already proclaimed that this morning. We're desperate sinners. It's power. Resurrection power, Eddie. Holy Spirit ministering the cross and resurrection of Jesus, power. This will crush you unless you avail yourself of his power. There's the power of this church. You see in the second part of verse 3 that the apostles do appoint this ministry. They will then later in verse 6 lay hands on this person. This is not a formality. This is saying this ministry is under the authority of the church and it's empowered by the authority of the church. The church has power because Jesus is our head. So you need the power of the church. And you need intertwined with that and sovereign over the church, the power of the Holy Spirit. You need His Holy Spirit, His resurrection power, that you may, like Stephen, minister in wonders and signs. Bishop Todd has taught me, I had noticed this, this is the first time wonders and signs are beginning to break out beyond the apostolic group. And now it's spreading out into these leaders and will spread out throughout the people of God. You'll need the power of the Holy Spirit, for He's also the Spirit of unity. He's the Spirit that ministers only connect. Unity with the Father through the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Unity among others. Would you work and serve to bring all Anglo, Latino, African American, Asian, Arab, Jew, would you labor to bring all to greater communion with Jesus? And would you labor to bring greater unity within our church and with those outside the church? God does everything, Eduardo. He's empowering you and Ashley and the team around you, the church with you, the army, to do something. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.